0: Hey, hey, hey. It is 3.15 because we did our little stint on Clubhouse first, but this is the Drink Like a Lady podcast, which is designed for women to get a seat at the bar and to get a seat in the boardroom. I'm going to move over here because I get a little more light and it looks a little more fresh. How are you today? I'm just waiting for Kathy DiCerco-Stewart, who is my partner in crime, every single week at three o'clock on this podcast to join me. And this week, we are talking about the gig economy. We are looking back in the rearview mirror mirror of 2020 and thinking about all the growth opportunities that have sprouted up as a result of looking in that rearview mirror. And one of the big ones, given that everybody is now working from home, is the gig economy. About 57 million workers in the United States right now participate in this particular part of the economy, and that is roughly a third of the entire working population. So while I'm waiting for Kathy to get on here, I'm going to start defining essentially what the gig economy is. This is for any Anybody that is engaged in small tasks, small errands, right? And so we're also looking for people that are looking for flexible projects, people that are long term but maybe have a passion and, let's say, organizing, and they're able to indulge themselves and in being able to be in a complete working environment and be able to develop those skills. Kathy, I was just defining what a gig economy worker is. Yes. And then the final one after we've after we've defined who they are is that there's an entire ecosystem. There's an entire marketplace that is now connecting gig workers with the opportunities out there. And that includes Uber. That includes TaskRabbit. That includes Thumbtack. And that includes TaskRabbit. Right, Kathy?
1: Yeah, this Something that, you know, everyone just in the past, it was all about the freelance part-time. It wasn't actually, you know, I'm going to say what this did was it really put some shine and polish on uh, this type of labor force. But the fact that we now have apps, that people need to have these small tasks, even within large organizations done, um, whether it's technology, et cetera, has really accelerated the pace of this economy.
0: And we'd be remiss if we didn't say that working from home and what the pandemic has really forced us to do has has been the big rocket booster behind the gig economy, because now more than ever, people are working several jobs, but they can because everything is happening from the same geographical place.
1: And it really what it does is actually takes down the boundaries of of your talent. So for companies looking for certain talents or trying to fill something in based on, you know, uh, what what's at hand for them, even in the innovative part of what they're doing, this is an excellent way to get some really great talent.
0: Um, Kathy, before we go on to talk about the pros and cons of the gig economy, I want to welcome Lalita. I want to welcome Anderson's Ice Cream and Petite Palette, who's joining us from Tribeca. She said that she loves this topic. All right, the pros and cons of gig work. Let's talk about the pros. What are they?
1: the pros are there's a lot of flexibility there's a lot of flexibility on two ends whether if you're the gig or i call it the gigger if you're the yeah. gigger you can do what you need to do when you have time you know and you find those opportunities if you are looking for additional people to add in or accelerate what you're doing within the business you can find that as well so there's a lot of flexibility of bringing that in the second thing you can try something new how about you know you're really good at one thing but you're Want to talk about gardening, or you want to go into something that is maybe more artistic, or coaching actually, which has become a big thing this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Do that without giving up your full-time job as well. Um, That's exploring a new passion. It's actually getting out of your own way and trying something new.
0: And you know, for anybody that's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, I'm about to interview the CEO and founder of MM Lafleur in a couple of weeks. And when she first jumped off the ledge and left her full-time job, something that gave her peace of mind was the fact that she had this gig on the side. It was tutoring, but at least it gave her the steady income while she was building her main hustle. And so that little side income can be a definite pro of gig work. Some of the cons, however, is, and I know this all too well, no benefits, no steady salary. It's a forever hustle. You hustle for all the work that you get. And you're demand dependent. You know, I think a lot of people in the last while have discovered if there's no demand for what it is that you do, then you're a little bit in a rough patch.
1: And that's really important to understand that, too. So lots of times um, you may go in thinking someone has a demand. And also you have to find the market. That's another thing that people don't understand. It's sort of like a a brand or a product as well. You've got to find the market and where that market is. Right now, I will say that most of the gig workers and most of the demand are in cities. So that is something in terms of targeting um, what uh, what you're looking to find. Great.
0: All right. So the final thing here is that, you know, we've already defined who the gig economy workers are. They're part time. They work from home. They don't necessarily need to be hired based on their proximity. They're filling an economic need truly for the employer, because now that we're, we've got so many more small businesses cropping up, it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's got the financial means to hire everyone full time. So, we, you know, this is another big bonus of having a gig worker, a 1099 worker.
1: You know, what's also very important is with all these apps that that sort of um, aggregate the people in terms of where their jobs are, they're not the employer. Like people say, oh, Uber is the employer. They're really not the employer. All they are is they aggregate them, they put people together, and they make that um, particular service work for them.
0: So just to bring it home here, I want to, again, for those of you that are just joining us, Jumana's just joining us, Ajesh is just joining us, we are looking back on the Drink Like a Lady podcast today, episode five on the gig economy and how that morphed and transformed and changed in 2020 and how is that going to really inform how 2021 is looking like. So we're now down to the criticisms of the gig economy. We know that work-life balance basically went out the door with our commute, didn't it?
1: It absolutely is. You know, when you sit at your desk and you're at home, and that's really where a lot of people have, uh, and you're on in a gig, doing a gig, what happens is you're looking for the next demand that happens. So almost your day continues and never stops. And I know yes. you are one of those individuals who, you know, you probably start, I know you start at five, but, you know, <laughs> you end up like eight or, or, or later. Um, and that's what it's about. In some cases, you have to figure out what that work-life balance is looks like and what you want to make for yourself on it
0: the way that i sort of delineate my day versus my night is that this coffee table goes back down to coffee table height and i put my computer away and that's how i know it's time to watch tv all right we're talking about the criticism of the gig economy so the work-life balance has gone off the window how about the fact that there's no steady salary and no steady benefits although there's a lot more providers i feel like that are cropping up to sustain the gig workers with insurance and other things Well, I think, you know,
1: one of the things is you have to understand if you're used to a steady income, then you've got to understand there's a stress that's involved with not having that steady income. And then that goes back to how do you plan? There you go. Financial planners for, you know, freelancers. How do they figure that out? How do you optimize that? Maybe there are also these group benefits that you can work on. But understand in this, if that's the way and that's your choice, you're doing it full time, that that's a whole added layer of stress that you're going to be dealing with.
0: And then the final observation is that those long term relationships, the chatter that happens around the water cooler is no more because we're just not physically in each other's spaces. So how do we maintain our relationships with that employer that may be our future employer again, given that we're now in a gig economy and make it less transactional? What's
1: so important, and I, and I, I mentioned this prior um, in a prior conversation, was that one of the CEOs talked about there is this factor that people aren't able to collaborate as much as they were in the past. And then there's this. Loneliness factor, you know, who do you talk to, you know, um, along the way, I know that there are some people what they're doing is they actually plan in a conversation um, into their day, whether it's through a zoom call, or whether it's through FaceTime or something in that going back to those individuals, they might be hanging out with at that,
0: that water cooler, it's important to do that. And from the commercial real estate side, because I'm in front of a couple of my groups throughout the week and my membership, and there's one group that's just dedicated to real estate, commercial real estate is seeing the rise of communal workspaces. So if you're a member of something like a Noya house, you're rubbing shoulders with people that are artists. And that is why you've signed up for that workspace. So that has been like another way to parse the loneliness factor when you're a gig, econo- you're a gig worker or a gigger, as you say, and gigger. you're trying to figure out how to continue to network but not work in
1: and what's really important, and I, I have shared this, it's really important to have support. That time when you, you know, you're feeling lonely or you get caught up in something, who can you call, who can you talk to, and build that up. That is the, this is the best time for build, people to build up these virtual support systems.
0: I have a planner. And one of the questions that asks me when I sit down to plan the night before is what would make me feel more connected to people tomorrow? And I, I, I always get stumped. I don't know that I ever answer that question because I feel like I'm on this modality all day long. Who am I not connected to? But it's, it's a good question to ask yourself if you're feeling that loneliness. Um, Kathy, if people want to work with you, you're a business strategist. What's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: They can call me directly at 609-933-7600 or email me at StuartKathy at gmail, S-T-U-A-R-T-K-A-T-H-I-E
0: at gmail.com. And I host a leadership platform in its origins. It was for South Asian women only, but now we've got a plethora of other executive women from all walks of life that are part of the membership. It's a real sort of collective that's a force to reckon with. I'm really proud of what's happening here. You can always get in touch with me at info at ladydrinks.com. All right, Kathy, we'll see you next week. As well. Take care.